this week's Adam Schefter podcast coming out of the NFL owners meetings leading up to the NFL draft. We sit down to speak with Rams head coach Sean McVay, who has the prank of the NFL year that he's going to share with us. We'll talk to the Green Bay Packers new rookie head coach, Matt LaFleur, about the transition to becoming a head coach. And we'll speak to 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan, whose team holds the second overall pick in this month's draft. But first, Sean McVay. All right, Rams head coach Sean McVay, thanks for the time in advance, Sean. Appreciate it very much. How how has your life been since the loss in the Super Bowl? Yeah, you know, it, it's been good, Adam. I mean, obviously, disappointing way to end the season, but I think when you look back and you reflect on really the journey and the entirety of what the season entailed, uh, so much appreciation for our players, for our coaches, uh, being able to go through some adversity and, and love the way that our guys responded. And then there's been a lot of good moments that we can reflect back on. Um, certainly losing that Super Bowl, you know, that stings and, and you don't shy away from that. But I think the biggest thing that we try to take away, whether you win or you lose, is it's a learning opportunity. And for us, you know, we're excited about getting our guys back, but, uh, it's been good. It's good to be here and it's been fun. So you say learning opportunity. Yeah. What did you learn? Well, I think you learn about, all right, how can you better prepare specific to the two weeks that that, game entails as far as you know having the week at home and then the week leading up to the Super Bowl how can you put in game plans that give your players all-purpose answers if you know they do something that's a little bit different than maybe what you've seen on tape um, and then how can you continue to just have a good feel for the flow of a game and making sure that you're in tune with that to make good decisions specific to winning the game in all three phases based on the foot the feel the ebbs and flows of that game and um, you know really that's every game Adam but specifically that one did being in that game change your life at all just in the way that people look at you the recognition factor the profile yeah have you noticed any change you know i think this season i think because it went so well and and being in a role where sometimes they they put the camera on you you know you get recognized a little bit more um i think just the magnitude of the game with how many people view the game definitely it it increases you know the the amount of people that recognize you but uh it's a good part of it it's it's humbling it's flattering and i think the biggest thing is is the platform that the nfl provides and then when you're on a team uh like we were where you're able to have you know as much success as we did last year i think naturally you get a little bit more recognition but that's a positive you've coached the rams for two years and yet you already have a head coaching tree (laughs) what does it mean to you to have matt lafleur be the head coach of the green bay packers to have zach taylor your former quarterbacks coach be the head coach of the cincinnati Bengals? what does that mean to you well i think it's awesome and i think it's a reflection of the success that we've been able to have you know together with the rams and then matt did a great job in tennessee but um, you know, these are reflections of these guys earning opportunities that are very well deserved. These are great coaches that were instrumental in a lot of the success that we've had over the last couple of years. Uh, Zach and I just working together the last two years and, and couldn't be more impressed with him. And I think he'll do an outstanding job in Cincinnati. But then also, Matt, we go back to, to Washington and, you know, Mike Shanahan, you know, had, had a, had a good eye for, for guys that I think he saw some potential in and gave me an opportunity to be the, be the, you know, the first time I got a chance to coach a position in this league. He hired me as a tight end coach working with Kyle and Matt so um, you know it's awesome but I think it's 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 deserved and these guys will do a great job what was that like to be the tight ends coach in Washington as your first coaching job in well NFL? it was awesome you know working with guys like Chris Cooley and we had Fred Davis and I worked with Jordan Reed early on in his career uh, but I think to just get a chance to work on a staff where you know Adam from your history with some of these guys going back to Denver um, what a great coaching staff they are I think Mike Shanahan implemented a standard of performance and really an expectation every day when you come in you're coming to get better at football and there's there's no lull, uh, no detail, 
really is is brushed by. Everything is so important, and, and how meticulous he is with his preparation, the way that he goes about it. You see why he's a world champion coach. Think about who came off that Washington Redskins staff. How about that? You, Kyle Shanahan, Matt Lafleur. Oh yeah, Mike Shanahan. Who am I, who am I missing? I'm sure there are There's others. A lot too, of great right? coaches on there. You know, we we had a, we had a lot of great coaches there. But I mean, you're talking about three guys right there that that are head coaches in this league. But you know, Mike had such a great way about himself in terms of the way that he led and, and the consistency at which he operated. And we talk about it all the time, Adam. Consistency is the truest measurement of performance. And I think Mike Shanahan's one of the more consistent coaches I've ever been around and learned so much from him. And, you know, I know uh, he's rooting for me, and, and he's been supportive except for twice a year. <laughs> <laughs> when you go up against Kyle Shanahan right. and the San Francisco exactly 49ers, right. he's allowed to root for the 49ers. understandable, time, right? No question. Yeah, he's excused for that. Now, you also worked for John Gruden <laughs> in Tampa. What did you learn from him? Well, I think John's, you know, really the thing that's consistent with both he and Mike is the work ethic and, you know, the the passion for football. Uh, what John did for me is really he taught me the foundation of everything I know about this game, Adam. You know, it's not just seeing the eyes through if you're coaching tight ends, quarterbacks. It's how can you see it, you know, really from a 22-man perspective. Are you able to talk to the offensive lineman and defensive lineman the same way you coach a quarterback on his drop? And and I think for that, you know, I'm forever grateful. I was able to, you know, get exposure to a lot of different schemes and plays specific to what things you like versus the different defensive structures and and then really you know how to present you know i got a chance to spend a lot of time with him and his infamous ffca and really that first year where we're spending some time over at the st pete times forum before he ended up getting his big old office um that he had you know i learned so much and really challenges you where you're almost interviewing every single day and to do that with john gruden it was almost like getting your doctorate in uh in football coaching you know in a short amount of time you ever help him out with any of the gruden quarterback camps or the guys that came through I, there? You know what? I didn't. I, I didn't at the time, but really, he, he got a chance. You talk about training to be a coach where you're presenting, you're learning, um, and, and you know, he's 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 hard on you, and I think he implements a certain standard similar to what we were saying with Mike, but I'm forever indebted to both those guys, and those are two of my biggest mentors and, and guys that I feel so fortunate to have been around. And there are other people. Who am I missing in the development of Sean McVay. Who else do we well, give Jay credit Gruden to? Well, Jay was a big part of it as well. And, you know, I think what you learn from Jay is, you know, he gave me an opportunity to be a coordinator in this league and call plays that, um, you know, I think was was really, you know, a great opportunity for me to be able to learn under his guidance. And I don't think I realized how much he really protected me uh, when I was first an offensive coordinator, where I was really young for the job. And, um, I think he kind of almost eased me into it where, all right, I'm going to let you take on more roles as you show and, and demonstrate that you're capable of handling it. But he always protected me, you know, from a media standpoint where he always took the heed specific to things that went on with our team, but then also our offense. Um, and I'm forever indebted to him. But I think the ability to empower people is a, is a great trait and it really is a great reflection of his security and himself and what that does in terms of the rapport it creates for your coaching staff is really powerful. Now, you're back in the division, Kyle Shanahan back in division. Pete Carroll's back in division. We have a new rookie head yep. coach in Cliff Kingsbury. You have a relationship with Cliff. I do. What advice do you have for a guy like that taking over in Arizona? I know you don't want to see him do too well too sure. quickly, but what, what advice do you have for a guy like that? You know, Adam, he's been a head coach longer than I have, so I don't think he needs much <laughs> advice from me. Um, you know, I got a chance to just get to know Cliff through some mutual contacts. Um, you can see he's got a nice presence about himself, even just watching him interact with the players. Haven't spent a whole lot of time talking football, but um, some of the things when you flip on the tape and you're able to just see what he's done at Texas Tech, specific to the offensive mastery he has, it's going to create some problems for us. But I, I think the biggest thing that you always just see is, you know, anybody that's a good coach, they're refreshingly themselves. 
they're authentic and genuine and you know and they love football but you got a personal relationship with him too right i do yeah i've got i've got i've gotten to know him you know and and uh <laughs> dinners and some dinners that's exactly right, right. anybody ever come to those dinners yeah you know uh we went to dinner he we went to dinner with uh you know he's got a relationship with pat mahomes and and uh we did that and you know i i kind of tricked him into thinking that he was going to be in trouble with the league with tampering and stuff like that and i think his assistant got all wigged out he was worried about losing picks and said he better call steve kime but fortunately it was all legal and, and we had a good time it was good to see wait, wait, him hold on so so i want to hear a little bit about how you tricked him into yeah. thinking that he was tampering so, i want the details so here. we have a uh a mutual friend that i uh put his name in my phone as roger goodell and uh, I had this friend send me a text saying, I can't believe you're at dinner with Kingsbury and Mahomes. You know better than this. This is tampering. You're both losing picks. And I showed Cliff the text. And uh, the, the he saw a ghost. I said, you better call Steve Kime right away. He said, oh, I thought I was going to lose the number one overall pick. And we couldn't let it go on too long. But it was pretty good. We we got him good. I, I, still, I was talking to him about that yesterday when I saw him. But I'm pretty proud of that one, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say about it when you saw the said, that's meeting. messed up. I'm getting you back, man, because you, you know, I didn't let it go on too long, but I was it was a pretty good joke. You should have let it go. I should have. But uh no, that was good. We were, we were laughing. It was it was it was I was uh you know, I'll have to use something like that again soon. It's a classic prank joke, Sean. It was I, good. I love that one. And I'm glad that you could share that with the audience. I hope uh yeah, and uh you know, it was it was fun. Hopefully the story doesn't get anybody in trouble. <laughs> I don't, how would it get anybody in trouble? Who knows? Well, artist is over here nervous. You never know. <laughs> well, we can allege tampering. Maybe you do want the Cardinals to get in trouble and lose the number one pick. You know, I wouldn't be upset about that. <laughs> Maybe you could turn over all correspondence between Patrick Mahomes and Cliff Kingsbury to Roger Goodell. I think and there actually might have been some things going on that are a little shady. <laughs> I left the dinner after a quick hello and they hung and they were doing some stuff that probably isn't right. Probably worth losing the number one pick for, right? Uh, you know, I, I'm with you on that. Do you I think, want me to I think notify that's a reasonable Steve thought. Do you want me to notify Steve that he is in danger of losing that pick right I now? I'm happy need, to break that story. I think we need to do that. Let's get it on the Twitter right now. <laughs> Sean, thanks for the time today. I appreciate thanks, it very Adam. much. We'll be back in a moment with new Green Bay Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. But first, I want to tell you about ZipRecruiter. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash ASP. That's ZipRecruiter.com. Slash ASP. ZipRecruiter.com. Slash ASP. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. All right, here with Green Bay Packers head coach Matt LaFleur. Matt, before we get started, we just had Sean McVay, the Ramsey coach. Great story. We're going to make you, we're going to share it with you right now. Basically, he goes out to dinner with Cliff Kingsbury this past offseason after Cliff gets the job as the Arizona Cardinals head coach. And Cliff is friendly with Patrick Mahomes from his days coaching him at Texas Tech. Sure. So Sean, in his cell phone, changes one of the names of his friend to Roger Goodell. And he has his friend, during dinner, send him text messages 
that he's got spies in the Los Angeles area that have spotted Cliff Kingsbury and Patrick Mahomes together at dinner, and that is going to be considered tampering, and they're going to lose their first-round <laughs> draft choice. <laughs> and Cliff got very unnerved by this whole thing, and Sean did not allow it to go on too long before confessing to Cliff Kingsbury that he was set up. That's a dirty story right there, man. <laughs> he got him, right? And oh, yeah. I, I, what I said to Sean was, as the head coach of the Rams in the NFC West, maybe you want to tell Roger Goodell about this and <laughs> file tampering charges and get the Cardinals to lose their first overall sure. pick, right? Yeah, I don't think the Chiefs are letting Mahomes go anywhere, though. So I think they're, they're in good shape. They're going to have him locked up. Yeah, I think so for a while. Are right, you got the job as the Green Bay Packers head coach in January. What has the transition been like for you to take over as a head coach of not just an NFL team, but arguably the most historic NFL team in the Green Bay Packers. One foot in front of the other. I, I mean, it's been it, it's been a lot of work. Uh, you know, every day is it's got its own journey. But uh, Gary Kubiak gave me some really good advice when I got the job. He said, "Hey, listen, there's going to be a lot to do, and you're you're going to think that you don't have enough time to do it, but it'll all get done." And so that's. That's kind of the mindset I've taken each and every day. Just and try to knock out as much stuff as possible. And has there been a lot to do, like you said, and has it all gotten done? Y- y- yes and yes. Um, <laughs> no, and, and you know what? That's a credit to the people that I have around me. And, and not only just the coaches that, that we hired, but to, to like Goody and Mark Murphy and Russ Ball and Ed Policy. Um, there's just so much support there. And a lot of people have been in Green Bay for a long time and... Um, you know, I just can't say enough good things about the people in that building. Had you ever spent much time in Green Bay before you got there as the head coach? Outside of the preseason and a couple regular season games, uh, not really, no. And what has that transition been like for you? Um, you know what? It reminds me very similar to my hometown, to be honest with you. Growing up in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, just on a larger scale. I mean, the people there have been very, very friendly and um, down-to-earth and really supportive. Hmm. Now, granted, we haven't played any games yet, so let's let's. Uh, I'm going to temper my expectations. <laughs> You're going to be their favorite coach in Green Bay Packers history up until September at some point, maybe October, hopefully for your sake, until you lose a game. Uh, I'm sure you're right about that, man. It, it'll work out pretty well. You come in and inherit a roster that looks a little bit different after free agency. The Packers go out and do some unpacker-like things compared to the way things have been done in the past. Sure. And they go and add Zadarius Smith. They go and add Preston Smith. They go and add Adrian Amos, a bunch of defensive players. From the players that you've added, what have you seen that they will bring to the defense? Yeah, and then we also added Billy Turner, Billy uh, Turner. on offense. So, um, you know, just excited about, you know, getting better as a team. And that's exactly what we went out and did. And, again, that's a credit to Goody and the uh, personnel staff, uh, you know, um, and just really excited to get to work with those guys when we get them in the building on April the 8th. Do you remember competing against any of those guys in recent seasons, going up against any of them, and having any thought that who knew that one day you'd be coaching them as the head coach of the Packers? Yeah, you know, it's funny because we played Baltimore this year in Tennessee, and that didn't go too well for us. And Zedarius, I think, had three sacks in that game. So I'm glad he's on our side now. And then we also played Washington late in the season, and I've always had a lot of respect for Preston. Um, you know, he's a big, long player that I think is equally as good in the pass rush as, or in the running game as he is in the pass game. We found out recently that the Packers are going to open – this 2019 season in Chicago, Thursday night opener. What's your reaction to playing the first game of the year? I don't know how to feel about that. Um, 
No, it's it's certainly any time you talk about opening day. I mean, there's so much excitement already involved with that. But couple the fact with you're going to be the only game on TV to kick off the season. Oh, by the way, it's the hundredth year of the NFL, and then you add in the rivalry factor. I mean. I think there's going to be a lot of excitement surrounding this game. And your first game as an NFL head coach. I know. Nothing like going full throttle, man. Now, as a head coach, you are not allowed to work face-to-face with your players until the second week in April. I believe April 8th is the day. Mm-hmm. Have you ever met Aaron Rodgers before? Uh, yes, a couple years ago, as a matter of fact. Um, I was, he was just in L.A., and I was walking by, and I heard all these people clamoring about oh there's Aaron Rodgers there's Aaron Rodgers and at the time I'm I'm friends with Alex Van Pelt who was the quarterback coach at the time and I texted him and I said hey I just walked by your quarterback and he's like well I'm with him so I ended up meeting up with him and you know we just hung out for a couple hours and but but that that's been the only face-to-face meeting I've ever had with him and that was in Los Angeles two years ago yeah you Alex Van Pelt and Aaron Rodgers, and what do you remember? My wife was there too. And your so. wife. You don't want to leave her out of this equation, there, <laughs> no. Matt. And what do you remember about the time that the four of you spent together? Uh, you know, uh, it was just a bunch of people hanging out. There was nothing of real substance there um, in terms of it was just you know we were just hanging out in, in Southern California. Where in LA doing what? I'm just curious about this meeting. There may have been a couple beers involved, <laughs> but uh, it was just more or less just hanging out, hanging out. Have you had the chance to speak to your former drinking mate since you took over <laughs> as the head coach of the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, I have. I've talked to him a couple times, and you know, it, it, none of it's really been about football because we can't do that. But um, you know, I think it's just more or less. I know how important our relationship is going to be. It's more or less getting to know the person and letting him know what I'm all about. And um, like I said, I just I can't wait to really sit down and dive into the to the football component. You talk about sitting down and diving into the football component when your team gathers on April 8th. What will be going through your mind when you sit down in front of your team for the first time as an NFL head coach? You know, I put a lot of thought in that recently because that that is rapidly approaching. Um, No, I'm just excited to get to work and and lay down our philosophy and, and really build our culture within that building. And what will be your message to the team at that point in time once you do sit down? You know, I just want to let them know what the expectations are. And not only what we expect of them, but what they can expect from us as coaches. And what can they expect from a guy like you? Uh, I think it all starts with just our accountability, our communication, um, our competition, how we compete to be the best version of ourselves each and every day. And, And we're going to be consistent with it. Hey, Matt, thanks very much for the time today. Appreciate it. Lots of luck this season. I appreciate that. Thank you. Right, here with Kyle Shanahan, the San Francisco 49ers head coach. And, Kyle, we are getting ready for the draft. Coming up soon, I know you don't like to be in this spot, but what is it like to have the number two overall pick and get ready for the draft? Uh, well, it's it's a lot more fun than being farther back. It's something I never want to be in and it's not it's not something you're proud of uh, but when you do get here it's definitely a lot more fun looking at players that have a chance of going at two than as opposed to 20. 
What is your assessment of this crop of players atop the draft? That's very exciting. You know, this is, you know, our third year here looking at this, and I'd say in these three years, it's as deep at the top of the draft as what I've seen. And uh, there's a lot of good options. There's definitely more than two great players. And uh, the fact that we're picking second makes me feel pretty good about that. How hard will that decision be then, knowing that there are all these good players over there? Um, that That's... I don't, I don't know if I'd say a hard decision. I think it's a fun decision because you just, you know, you're going to get good, get a good player or you know, you're going to get some very good trade offers. That's going to have you go farther back and still probably be able to get a good player. So, uh, I look at it as a win-win. You just, you, you don't want to get too cute with it. You got to make sure that you get the best player possible and be happy with that. But, um, I, I know that the Niners at the end of the day are going to have, um, one of the best two players in the country coming out of college, or we're going to be adding a few more players because we get a very good trade offer. How realistic is the idea that you could trade back? Um, I, you never know. I think it's always realistic because you, you'll do, we'll do anything to improve our team. And, you know, we, and I'd say we, we can improve at every single position we have on our team. I'd probably rule out quarterback right now, you know, not to, give our throw our cards all the way out there but i don't think we're going to draft a quarterback with a second pick um but i'm happy with the guys we'll take so it's not like you're going out there trying to facilitate a trade trying to make it happen but if people call you and they want something bad enough you always sit there and listen and if that can help your help our organization out more than just one guy at the second pick then that's something we would never hesitate to do wait hold on i just want to tweet out that the 49ers are not taking a quarterback yeah, you very should quickly, right that'll be a good one <laughs> right now <laughs> Are, what are your thoughts on the idea? It might be a smoke screen. I'm setting you up now. <laughs> what, are the, what are your thoughts on the idea that the Cardinals will go quarterback at number one? You're sitting there at two, yeah. so we don't know what they're doing, but I'm sure you're curious, like everybody else, what they might do at one. As you sit here today... What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I try not to go too much into that because it's all just talk. And it could be real. It could not be. You, you don't really know. And you don't know until they pick or until they announce something that they're doing that. So I don't try to look into it at all. I don't try to figure it out. Um, I think there would be a lot more to figure out if we were further back. you know. But we're right behind them. And um, we're also not waiting to get a quarterback. Uh, so, so it doesn't affect <laughs> us that much. And there's more than two good players in this draft. So um, I think it's a pretty good situation for us. And you talked about being open to doing whatever it would take to improve this team. Have there been any teams that have even inquired yet about the number two overall pick? No, not yet. Not yet, but maybe, maybe. coming up. Yeah, maybe. You put it for sale sign it right here, right now, that's right? Always. I mean, that, that'll never change. <laughs> <laughs> for the right offer? Right. We'll and, do anything. And I would hope that's how all other 31 teams think also. Now, going back to free agency, team was active again. Traded for D Ford, most notably. What is D Ford going to bring to this defense? Uh, we, I mean, we feel good about our D line, but we've been missing a real good edge rusher. Uh, we we got a bunch of guys who can rush the quarterback from inside, uh, who have done a good job, and we felt, you know, going into our third year, we had to get that fixed. And uh, D Ford was the start of that. Um, to bring him in and with his speed to pair him up next to our inside guys, it'll really help, and uh, and he can cause a lot on his own also. On the offensive side, you had Tevin Coleman. You are familiar with Tevin Coleman from your days in Atlanta. What is he going to bring to the 49ers offense? Uh, we're, I mean, we feel very fortunate to get Tevin. You know, we, we definitely didn't go into free agency thinking we were going to add a running back. Um, but that's what I always say. You never know because you're not going to a grocery store and just picking what you want. You, you see what's available and what the options are. And uh, we didn't think we were going to add a running back. But fortunately for the 49ers, um, we had the market got to where we had a chance at Tevin. And he expressed his interest to come. And, you know, I love giving t- getting Tevin on board. 
board because, you know, I, I loved him come out of college. I loved my two years with him in Atlanta. He's a very talented back. He's a very good person, and he's going to fit in great with our group. How does this running back group now work? Because you have Jarek McKinnon coming off the ACL. Yep. He's going to be healthy. Yeah. And you had big plans for him. You got Tevin Coleman. You have Matt Breida. How does this work? Uh, we got other guys too, and that's um, Jeff Wilson. Uh, that's what I keep. Every, everyone keeps asking me that, like I'm in charge of that or something. It's <laughs> it's up to the players. It's they 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 will define their roles, and that's kind of what I mean. What's unique about this? It's not. You know, we went out and got Jeff McKinnon. We, we, we looked at the free agency pool. We knew where we wanted to go. And that's, um, what we thought was the best for our team at that time. And we looked at it this year and we knew where we went the year before. So it wasn't something we were going to in free agency targeting. Um, but it came across us and we had an opportunity to improve our team. Um, so we're going to improve it. We brought in a hell of a back, um, who can, I don't know who's the best guy. They, they all, they all can do a bunch of different things. Um, they all, the one thing that they have in common, they all run four four zero, you know, so or, or less. So I don't have to look back there to know whether I have a slow guy or fast guy. They're all fast, uh, but they come in different sizes. They do different types of routes, and you know, we played with four running backs last year. So I'm not going to sit here and try to figure out what to do with four running backs. I mean, we might need them all, and if they all stay healthy, it'll be a very fun um, problem for us to try to figure out how to utilize them as coaching staff. You bring up the health. Where is McKinnon in his recovery right now, Cal? Uh, he's, he's coming right along. Him and Jimmy, I think he did about a month before jimmy uh they're pretty close in their rehab they it's been kind of nice for um the two of them to kind of have partners you know they've been side by side and all this stuff so i see him outside always working on things and um, they're both when you watch guys knowing that they're rehabbing but you just watch them on air running around i just sit out and look at my office i'm like oh they're healthy they can go but then you realize that it's it's controlled cutting things like that and we're going to be extremely patient with them uh, extremely patient with jet same with jimmy and um but i i know jets can help us out a lot this year and um we're definitely counting on him last year and it was unfortunate but i'm happy for him he's gonna be coming back i know we're early in the spring but would you envision jarek mckinnon and or jimmy garoppolo playing at all in the preseason or is that not realistic uh no if if their bodies can i I mean, I think that's a good thing for them. You know, it's, they would, they want to test it out. And I feel like that's more of a mental thing. Um, if you if your body can take it and the doctors say it and, and they feel confident with it, I think it's good to go out in a real game situation and get that confidence because we're not going to let someone tackle them in practice. And so a lot of times guys want to go out and get tackled and just so they can get that mental breakthrough. So when they go into week one, they're not thinking about it. We had Sean McVay on earlier in the podcast. Uh, we were talking about the staff that you had in Washington. When you think back on the collection of coaches that was there in Washington, what does that mean to you that you had all these guys? Sean, you, Matt LaFleur, Mike Shanahan. Yeah, we had a lot. We had Mike McDaniel, too, who's my coordinator now. Um, so, you know, we, we had a bunch of good guys. Chris Furster was as good of a line coach as I've been around. Uh, we had a real good staff. Um, and we, we took a lot of, a lot of heat there for being young and stuff too. So that was always funny to deal with, with the whole Washington deal. But, um. Oh, cause you were there just cause you. Yeah. They just thought we were young, like fraternity brothers or something. <laughs> but the young no, fraternity brothers have been okay for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. They know that, that's been good. Um, <laughs> but no, the main thing was for my dad. You know, I, I hear people talk about, I've had people ask me if I have a coaching tree. I know I've heard it with Sean a bunch, but, um, you know, my dad brought us all in there. And, you know, I hate how the Washington thing went for my dad. Um, but what's cool is that um, that's what he got out of it. And he um, he brought in a lot of coaches there, there a lot that people didn't know about. And we've all kind of gone our own way. And I feel like he set us all up to have pretty good careers. 
How is Matt going to do in Green Bay as the Packers head coach? Oh, they got a hell of a coach. You know, Matt knows football. Um, everyone knows the quarterbacks that's there. And um, when you're dealing with a guy of Aaron's um, ability of how intelligent he is, how he plays, you better bring in a guy who knows what he's talking about. And um, Matt's that type of guy. And uh, he'll go through this, learn how to be the head coach as it goes. But everyone's like, how do you learn how to be a head coach? You you just keep coaching football like you always have, and uh, you'll get it. And Matt's prepared for that, and that's why he'll be good at it. What has surprised you most about being a head coach? Um, how many people you have to talk to? Like, you have to talk all the time to so many different things that yeah, there's just so many different department heads who, and it's legit stuff. Everyone wants to come in and ask something, and you, five minutes isn't that much of, you wouldn't think it's a lot of time, but that adds up as the day goes. And there's a lot of stuff that goes to where you eventually realize, like, all right, I can't do all that. Like, hey, you're in charge of this area. You go talk to these people all the time. Because eventually it, wins and losses are going to come down to putting together a good game plan, studying tape, and um, that's stuff that you can't just knock out and cram. you got to do that over long periods of time, and you could better organize your time wisely. Your dad always said there would be things that land on your desk as a head coach that you never would imagine all the time. Yeah. Definitely. Accurate? Yeah, totally. I mean, there's, you know, I feel I've known for a long time I wanted to be a coach. So I like to say I've been training to be a coach um, since I can remember um, growing up. And but you're not trained. Uh, you're trained on football stuff, and you're, you're a head coach. And there's a lot more than just football stuff. It's a it's a people business. You got relationships with all different types of people, whether it's players, coaches, the personnel, um, the equipment managers, the trainers. And it's, it's communicating with people it's talking knowing everyone's jobs on the line uh, whether you're the top guy or the bottom guy so we're all in the same boat uh, but you got to work together and uh, you got to have a lot of dialogue with everyone it was reported that you guys had some level of interest in Le'Veon Bell it was reported that you guys had some level of discussions with the Giants on Odell Beckham Jr. when you look back at those two examples of players that you explored but didn't land. What stands out to you? Oh, I mean, the Le'Veon thing was very similar to the Tevin thing. That wasn't something that we went in targeting. It kind of fell into us also. Um, and when we realized that we had a chance to get that for something that we definitely didn't expect, we got excited. But, um, you know, I think it was a little bit more of a tease, and which, you know, we went through a little bit because we didn't plan to be in it. And then we got close, and so we got somewhat excited. A little disappointed when it didn't work out, but um, when we ended up with Tevin the next day, that ended very fast for us. So I was very pumped to end up with Tevin, and yeah, we definitely looked into the Odell thing. You know, John had been working on that for a few months, trying to see if something could happen, and you know, I just didn't think we had the stuff uh, that they wanted, um, and it didn't work out. And you know, he's always a great player. I don't know how much I can talk about him because he's on another team, but um, you know, that would have been a great thing, but you know, that didn't work out. And um, it's nice to have our second pick in the draft still. Now we begin to turn our attention toward the draft. Good luck in the draft, Kyle. Appreciate taking the time today. Thanks very much. Thanks, Adam. Special thanks to this week's guests who all have a common tie of working together on the Washington Redskins coaching staff before Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan were let go and Sean McVay and Matt LaFleur went their own separate ways. So special thanks to Kyle Shanahan, to Sean McVay, to Matt LaFleur, and please join us again this week when we'll have a special edition of the Adam Schefter Podcast when we're joined by the Baltimore Ravens head coach John Harbaugh and the Houston Texans head coach Bill O'Brien for a bonus episode that will run this Thursday. Thanks for tuning in this week to another Adam Schefter Podcast. Have a great week, everybody.